Thanks for tuning in to the Glossy Podcast. I'm your host, Jill Manoff, and today we have a podcast guest duo from Scotland-based Adderley, the e-tailer that sells hundreds of thousands of items by indie emerging and established designers. I'm excited to chat with co-CEO Kelly Byrne, formerly of Boohoo Group, and Chief Trends Officer Alexandra Schulman, former Editor-in-Chief of British Vogue. We'll discuss how the company is differentiating in the crowded fashion e-commerce space and how they plan to grow the business in the U.S., currently its second largest market. Is that correct, Kelly? Hi, welcome. Hello, how are you doing? Good to see you. It's been a bit. I honestly did not know that you jumped from Boohoo Group to Adderley. This was in January, yeah? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, I think it was about oh, maybe more than a year since we last spoke. So yeah, lots, lots has changed. Oh my gosh, well, I'm excited to chat. And Alexandra, welcome to you. Thank you. Thank you. Pleased to be here. Yeah. And when did you join the company? I was trying to figure that out a few days ago. I think I joined it about three years ago. Um, I was uh, editor-in-chief of British Vogue and... I think I joined it about two years after I left. Got it. Well, I know that the business has seen its own evolution. I know at one point it was uh, Adderley Road. Is that correct? And it's it's had some kind of maybe starts and stops throughout the way. Um, but yes, the, at the company as we know it, as it stands, this was not 2012, 2016? Yeah, 2016 it was. So, you know, definitely before my time and before Alexandra's time. But yeah, it was originally Atley Road, which was its own brand. Um, and then, yeah, 2016 developed into what it is now, um, a marketplace, which is all around supporting boutiques globally. So very much championing the ethos of sort of independent shopping and, and shopping in a bit more of a sustainable way. Um, which I think is, you know, is, is so important now. And I think we're seeing a lot of customers really having more of a preference for this way of shopping now. Great. Well, I want to dig into what's the sustainable, what's sustainable about it for sure. But let's talk before we jump in about what attracted both of you. You both have these um, extensive backgrounds in your in different industries related to fashion and e-commerce. Um, would love to know the draw for you, what opportunity you saw at Adderley. Uh, let's start with you, Alex. Uh, so when I left Vogue, I'd done 25 years on the coalface and I just wanted freedom, didn't know what I was going to do. And Mike Welsh, who is the, the chairman, approached me uh, relatively shortly afterwards, actually, to, to see whether I'd like to be involved with Atelier. And at that point, I wasn't ready. I didn't know what I wanted to do. I didn't want to be committed to anything. And then he got back to me again about a year later and um, kind of won my heart, really. Um, gave me, you know, showed me all the information on how it had been doing in, in that period of time since we'd first spoken and by that point, I'd kind of realized that I was ready to to get attached to something. And I really felt that um, Atelier's emphasis on independent brands, independent boutiques, and also a kind of relatively kind of middle market price point was what interested me because I'd done a lot of work in luxury fashion and the biggest international brands. But one of the things I really concentrated on in Vogue was trying to mix the price points and to say to people, you know, you, 
you yeah you can mix which now seems like that's nothing extraordinary but actually 30 years ago which it was then people didn't really think of wearing you know a gap t-shirt and a chanel jacket so um so actually played to a lot of the things that i was interested in for sure that makes perfect sense what was the reason for you kelly from I know you from Nasty Gal, totally different world, yeah? Yeah, very different world. I mean, I think um, Alexandra sort of hit the nail on the head, really. When you meet Mike and you meet the team behind Atalee and Kenny, the, the co-CEO that I work with, you can't help but just sort of really buy into the passion that they've got and and also where they've taken the business. You know, it's it's grown so rapidly over the last sort of five, six years and through sort of sheer determination and hard work and um, definitely felt as though I've sort of graduated from that more fast fashion side of retail and wanted a different kind of challenge and and you know definitely where I feel I'm shopping a bit more is in that sort of high low mix and I think the range of brands that actually gives you access to is is really sort of exciting and, and unlike anyone else out there so really sort of behind the the whole spirit of the business, the people, the team, where the drive is of where it's going. And ultimately, I suppose, what the the boutiques that we're supporting globally and giving them, you know, a global platform to be able to sell to customers all across the world from, you know, tiny towns in different countries who would never be able to capture a global audience. I think that's what excites me the most. Yes. Did a lot of these companies really lean on you um, since, have they, since 2020, maybe they didn't have e-commerce um, established like as they should or as maybe, you know, uh, brand yeah. stores that are further along have? Go ahead. Yeah. I mean, obviously I wasn't with Atelier then, but from the, the the tales that the team tell me, you know, Atelier was a, a huge lifeline for a lot of these boutiques who you know some of them had literally only just opened a new store and a month later global pandemic comes and shuts them down um so for them it was how do they actually sell the product that they've got in their stores and Atelier was a lifeline to be able to do that so during that time the team behind the scenes have developed really strong relationships with a lot of these boutiques globally and and almost sort of encourage them to think about their own retail in a different way so a lot of them post pandemic have become much more sophisticated in their own e-commerce offerings um so yeah we've sort of helped them along the way really in terms of giving you know allowing them to sort of set up on from an e-commerce point of view and and changing their minds on you know, not just being a store that where people come in and shop with from a footfall point of view, literally on the high street, now they can sort of open their own stores and sell much more globally as well. Yeah, that makes great sense. Alex, tell me for, um, I immediately called, like think of the relationship, the connection, similarities between your business model and what maybe what a Farfetch is doing, but obviously that's luxury, um, maybe more of a luxury play. What would you say is the differentiator there? Well, I mean, Farfetch is bigger, it's older, um, it's... uh, it plays to, I would say, yeah, a more luxury buyer than Atelier. And it doesn't have the kind of, I would say Atelier has a kind of humanity about it. You're very aware of the, the, the brand, the boutiques and the boutique owners. And that was always something that kind of attracted me to it. Um, I mean, I love Farfetch, you know, it, it's great, but it's kind of huge. And Atelier's 
a different kind of a different thing. It's completely um yeah, it's more village like, I guess, in a way. And I think it's more kind of user friendly in that way. And once you know, once you once you find it, once you know about Atelier, it's very appealing, it's very unthreatening to kind of be dealing with. You know, you feel very comfortable using it. Yeah. Is that I mean, are you front and center? You're such a fashion authority <laughs> um, to, ha- to have your customer know that you're behind um, the trends that the company is spotlighting and you really back this maybe trend or this brand or this product. Um, do they, is your name, your voice, are you, are you in the mix? Well, I'm a, I'm an advisor. I'm a, you know, I'm a, a kind of uh, there on a consultancy basis so I'm not there on an executive basis so I'm not there every day deciding whether we're gonna you know promote prairie today or whether we're gonna promote our high-waist jeans or whatever um, and I'm more behind the scenes than that I mean every now and again I kind of creep out and show my face and try and help um, promote something or support something but I'm not there on a day-to-day basis making the decisions. But I'd say as well as that, you know, Atelier is very much supporting what the boutiques have. And, you know, what we're trying to do is, is sort of work with them to, um, to promote what, what works well for them and to advise what, what is working well for us so that they, they have that information. Wouldn't you say, Kelly, it's very yeah. much. A- it's a, it's a real two way street. So, you know, we, we do have true relationships with these guys. And I think, you know, going back to the earlier point around Farfetch, we do a lot of work around spotlighting, spotlighting the people behind the boutiques. And, you know, they'll come to us and tell, ask us what brands are you selling well? Because when they're going out to buy their next collection, obviously they want to buy brands that are going to have commercial benefit for them. So we'll have a two-way dialogue every day. Honestly, it's everyday hour, but, you know, email, phone calls around what's working, what trends are we seeing, what are you seeing, where we can support them more, where we can give new visibility to new brands that they're bringing on. Or, you know, for example, if they've got new team members, we do boutique of the week and spotlight on buyers trends and things like that. So, you know, it really is that sort of, like Alex said, it's like a village, you know, and we work as, as true partners together. So there is that face and you feel that. And then, you know, Alexandra, obviously you did recently for us the um, your top dresses for summer, you know, and that was a great feature and really resonated with our email customers because they look to us for that guidance on what to wear, how to style it. And, and I think just that education on some of the newer brands that are perhaps are not so freely available in department stores where you'd have to sort of scour numerous sort of magazines and websites to find it you know I think probably one of the biggest selling points of Atelier is that we house that all in one place and become that sort of I won't say authority but educator on you know if you like this brand here's a similar one that's in the same price point um so that's a lot of the work that we do in sort of that advisory role to our customers yeah so much to unpack go ahead when I was at Vogue it was when net was launching and then net which obviously is a totally different business model because we're a marketplace and they're not but they launched um Porter the magazine that they put out with it and um and started putting a lot of kind of editorial on site but actually I think what what we learned looking at what they were doing and also what we were experimenting at Vogue with is that actually people do come to shop, essentially. They don't come to read. 
And so, you know, although we like to give people information through um, newsletters and emails and, and on site, I think we haven't sort of gone down that route of really editorializing the product because it's not essentially how people really want to use Ashley. Would you agree, Kelly, on that? Yeah, definitely. Definitely, yeah. We don't try and overwhelm with content because reality is in e-commerce, you've only got a small window to, to grab the customer's attention. So it's trying to hit them with the most relevant product and the messages to support that in, in a, you know, in a concise way. That's so interesting. I remember talk um, back in the day, not too long ago, talking to Julie Bornstein from the Yes. And she was, ta- I was like, is, um, what do I say? Instagram, a competitor as they're launching all of these new um, shopping tools and features. I don't know if you would agree. Like she said something to the effect of, well, people aren't going there to shop. It might be like an impulse purchase while they're shopping, but if they're looking for a dress, they're not going to go, you know, I'm going to go on Instagram and buy a dress for this event. Is that, is it similar mindset? I think, yeah. I mean, there's an element of it. I think, you know, what, where Atelier's really strong is in that discovery side. So, you know, I think Instagram's a great tool for, for visibility, for visuals, to sort of see a particular trend or a brand. But, you know, then what we'll find, for example, is for example, if someone's wearing a dress from a certain brand on Instagram, doesn't necessarily mean that they will buy that dress. It's just an introducer to the website. And, you know, often what we'll find is they might be introduced to a certain brand, but then buy a different dress to what the influencer is wearing so I think it's just more of a discovery platform really for us which is which is great because you know we have got I think we've got four and a half thousand brands on site now any you know anything from Gucci to you know those real sort of niche discovery brands so it gives that range for people to find something that's within their price point but it's maybe just a little bit different for sure Alex, who is your customer? Who are you targeting? Who's shopping? And where is she shopping? Is this an app or is it all happening on the e-commerce site? Um, It's not an app. We don't have an app yet. Um, It's an e-commerce site. And well, our customer is pretty, I mean, I think I'm right in saying you've got the stats, Kelly, but I think it's relatively spread out. I mean, when I joined Atelier, I thought the customer was going to be slightly older than it actually is. And it's got, you know, it's it's surprisingly evenly spread throughout sort of mid-20s up to kind of 60s, actually. Yeah, the, the core of it is between sort of 35 and 54, but then the younger demographic is also growing because we do have, you know, good American jeans, Converse, Birkenstock, like really easy wares all the way up to, you know, cashmere brands and Zimmerman and things like that. So... Yeah, that is you know it is a little bit older, um, but we are finding growth in different areas, especially as we sort of experiment a little bit more with more things like YouTube and Instagram. So obviously that's acquiring a bit more of a young customer as well. Oh my gosh! And also, you know what we've got, which is really you know quite sort of. Um, not that easy to find because in the UK anyway, we have, you know, we have a great high street. Everyone knows you can get great stuff from Zara or H&M. Um, well, not so much Gap, but actually Gap's going through a bit of a revamp, isn't it now? Um, but anyway, all of those high street stores. And then you've got the kind of the designer, the luxury brands and even the well-known kind of slightly less um, high-end luxury brands. But where Atelier is really strong are in these kind of, you know, lower price point, but above the high street. And 
brands that, you know, particularly other countries, I think they just have never heard of them. I mean, I'm sure in the States, a lot of our offering are just these really exciting little brands that, that you're not going to find anywhere in the States. Sure. Especially the European flavor brand. You know, we find our US customers really, really um, buy into the sort of European based brands because, again, it's just not freely accessible in the US market. So, so that, yeah, that's a massive appeal for them. Talk about the US uh, push. Um, I read this was from, I think, 2021 that US was the second largest um, market, but this is still, you're actively going for the US customer. Yeah. And, and UK is where it stands right now. Yeah. I mean, the US is our second biggest market, but probably our fastest growing market. Um, and that's not changed since I've been with the business since January. So there's definitely still a big drive to grow there. Um, so, we were out there in uh, May um, doing a, a press launch. Um, so, yes, yeah, so just still doing lots, you know, working on different sort of targeting methods in the US and just pushing the brand out there a bit more heavily. Yeah. What are the what's your marketing mix? I guess you mentioned YouTube, you mentioned other channels, um, digital versus other is it all happening digitally right now? Yeah, majority of it's digitally, but um, you know, I I've come from more of a brand-based world. So definitely, you know, we're sort of growing that side of the business as well. But the business has grown really rapidly off affiliate marketing, essentially. So that's still a firm part of the strategy. Obviously, also Google Shopping, um, paid social, YouTube, influencer marketing. So yeah, we're sort of growing the mix really and just sort of seeing what works, what doesn't and adapting as we go. And I think, you know, goes back to being an e-commerce business where you can track everything in real time. So, you know, that that's sort of essential for us as, as part of our growth strategy to make sure that we're growing really, really efficiently. You mentioned the data that you're giving the, your boutiques and what they're, they want to know, what's selling, what's not. What else do you, um, are they looking to learn, I guess, from this this sales channel that is Adderley? Um, it can be, you know, lots of different things. So one example that comes to mind is um, women's wear boutiques that might be thinking about launching menswear. So, you know, they'll come to us and say, could you really help us with build what that product strategy should look like? Um, or sometimes it could be um, introductions to other boutiques so they can share learnings, introductions to brands that might sort of, we've got contacts with. So like I was saying, it's a really sort of open forum, you know, really our job, essentially, if, if the boutique's doing well, then we're doing well. Um, and equally, we'll look at, you know, we, we get sales data. So for example, if a brand's selling really, really well in a boutique, but it's not an Atelier, we'll look at that as how can we, you know, make the most of that brand and give it more visibility on our site. So there are things that we look at on a daily basis to make sure, you know, essentially we're all doing well out of this. For sure. Alex, in terms of the men, the male shopper, um, is that also, I know that the market's growing, you know, as a whole, but for you guys, is that, um, that business growing and also is your job the way that you cater to that customer in terms of trends and, and your role, um, is it different when, when you're talking to the men? Yeah, I think men are different. I mean, Atelier's actually got really quite a high proportion of male shoppers and, and it's growing. And I think my own feeling is it's a really big growth area for, for the, um, for the company. And, uh, you know, men, 
men really like e-commerce. They really like the convenience of it. And what they read, most men, not the top fashion end, but most men just like to find what they want to wear and just buy it again and again and again. And that's really easy to do on actually, you, you know, you discover you like a Navy Harrington. Well, you can get one and get millions of them. And, um, I think that the, you know, that there is an interest in, in trends, but it's, it's not nearly as, um, relevant in terms mm-hmm. of, um, sort of, uh, connecting with, with our audience as it is for the women. I mean, so, you know, it's really interesting about men and, and dressing. I, I, cause I, I don't know so much about the States, but I used to edit GQ. And when I edited GQ, it was way back in the beginning of the nineties. And people then just thought it was completely insane that you could think of having a man's magazine, a kind of man's glossy magazine, consumer magazine. And of course now, you know, there've been millions of them, but I think it remains the same that men are much more kind of practical shoppers. You know, they're, they're not doing it for quite such a leisure activity as, as women. Yeah. I think, I think for us, um, you know, exactly what Alex said, where what's probably the biggest marketing channel for men is on our CRM email strategy. So, you know, men are not really interested in here's a range of dresses. They they know the brands that they like. So we work on a really sort of like personalized basis with, you know, we know, for example, that they've shopped a certain brand. So here are some really similar brands that are in a similar price point. Or if we know someone's a Bell staff customer, we'll constantly keep feeding them. Here's a new range come out. This range is on sale. Here's, here's an awesome winter collection that's just launched because they tend to just gravitate back to the same brands that they've always bought. Most of our menswear customers probably buy five brands. Wow. Whereas the women's will have much sort of wider spread of, you know, playing into that discovery element that we're saying, you know, if we if we can pinpoint a, a female customer who has got a particular sort of propensity to buy French brands, let's say, you know, they buy Isabel Moran, they'll sort of tend to shop within a similar set of brands. Whereas with men, they've got like these sort of the staple brands that they'll just keep going back to all the time. So from, from our point of view, this sort of email personalization piece for menswear is really, really important. Nice. Tell me about the uh, AI driven personalization, the maybe you have, you're hiring more data scientists, like what goes behind this whole personalization play? I'm sure it's a lot. Yeah. It's, you know, it's, quite a complex sort of model but we use an email um personalization partner who you know I'm not saying that they don't they do all the heavy lifting because the team do a lot of work on it but it's a really great sort of customer marketing tool where you know we can see what everyone's browsing at any one time you know we can see Jill's come online and she's looked at these five brands but she's not purchased so then that will allow us then to sort of do a follow-up email to Jill to say Jill, here's the brands that we think you'll like, or there's been a price drop on these brands. Um, so yeah, there's lots of layers to it, but it allows us to really group people by brands that they like, but also also by boutiques. So, you know, what we'll find is a lot of our boutiques will stock a similar sort of range of brands. Um, so we can say, you know, we know you've shopped at X boutique. Here are some other things from that boutique that we think you'll like. Um, and that has really good results because it's just that sort of like, much more targeted communication than just sort of a blast out to everybody. 
That makes sense. What is the business model? Is it more a marketplace model? Yeah, yeah. So it's essentially, I mean, sort of 95% marketplace and, and that's the sort of core of the business. We do work with a handful of brands, more independent brands, um, brands who are, you know, are not the big the big guys, the sort of small up and coming brands. And that, again, that sort of supports a whole ethos of more independent shopping. Yeah, that makes sense. As you're marketing and, um, you know, you're looking to sell, attract the the best brand, uh, boutiques in the biz, like, are you also marketing to boutiques to have them join your, I guess, your circle? Uh, yes and no. I mean, it's a funny world, the boutique world. It's it, there, There's lots of, you know, there's a real community within the boutiques globally. So a lot of them talk to each other. So, you know, you'll get one boutique who will have a great partnership with and they'll say to their friends in another city, you know, I'm working with Atalee, you should think about going online. So we do have, we have a team that go out and um, try and source the best boutiques in the world. But there, are, there is also a lot of um, either sort of community word of mouth, but also we do get a lot of approaches directly from people. Um, you know, so we have an inbox where boutiques across the world can just sort of register to sign up. And, you know, we definitely get a lot of alerts from that on a weekly basis. So, yeah, it's quite a couple of different ways of approaching it, really. For sure. Yeah. And also we're very um, strict about boutiques kind of, you know, playing the game, fulfilling the requirements. I mean, if people sort of don't deliver or if they misrepresent what they've got or something, it's kind of like after a while, we don't really want to work with them because what's really important is that people feel that they've got a good experience coming, buying through Atelier. And because we have to rely on the boutiques to deliver that experience. So it's very important that we can kind of not police them, but, you know, we know that we trust them to deliver what we would expect. Yes. During all of these supply chain issues, I would say, has this for you, again, as there are various steps along this chain before the the customer maybe gets an item, um, has it just caused a big mess? Have you, what's been the solve in terms of communication, management, um, any overcoming any hurdles there? I mean, not from my experience so far, um, it's been relatively pain-free, really. You know, we've not really had um, supply chain issues. There's been a bit, you know, some small delays, but we speak to the boutiques every day and they're not sort of telling us that they're having massive issues. So, you know, I, I can't really say that we've experienced that so much. I mean, it's been quite, it's been quite positive, really. That's great. More of a slight pro- sort of problems with Brexit, haven't we? And the things, the changes yeah. between us and the and Europe um, in terms of various kind of uh, yeah logistics. But it's been more that than than supply chain. That makes perfect sense. Brexit. That's a whole conversation. <laughs> Did yeah. that impact the, the brands, the boutiques that you're that you were working with? I guess. Yeah, definitely. I suppose it's just become a lot more challenging to um, get product in and out of Europe. But, you know, I think probably where what's great about Atelier and what's great about e-commerce is we can pivot our strategy then to sort of move more of our focus to the US or to the APAC market. So the positive thing about having a global customer base means that we, you know, we're not completely... In, in, you know, it's not dire straits for us. We can sort of adapt to where the markets go in and, and make those changes quite rapidly. That's not to say Europe's not important to us. We absolutely, you know, we have a 
20% of our businesses from, from Europe, probably 15 to 20% of our business. But um, we have got, you know, bigger markets that can take the lion's share as well and take that risk away. Yes. What's been your experience since, let's say, March 2020 um, in terms of, yeah, the shopper coming online and you being able to to nab some of that new, new market share? Um, I guess, yeah, your growth in the last two years. Yeah, well, I mean, Kelly only came in this year, right? Yeah, January. Sadly for her, she wasn't sort of part of the the sort of exciting growth that took place actually through the pandemic, really. I mean, I think everyone was geared up for it to be very, very difficult because nobody was going out. And so why would you want to buy clothes? But actually, that's not what happened. And I think people had more time on their hands not going out so they were kind of letting their fingers do the walking in terms of e-commerce and um although there was a kind of a bit of a kind of lull in shopping for kind of dresses and occasion wear obviously uh you know things like trainers and leisure wear and everything that just went went through the roof so actually Atalie did did really really well during a very difficult time for for a lot of the stores um and then we thought that a lot of the boutiques maybe wouldn't survive but actually they seem to have don't they I mean I don't think there have been that many closures over the last few years of the boutiques that we had on board there's been a kind of resilience so and I hope we sort of we helped a bit with that through that you know that period yeah that's great. I know that. Um, so was the inventory already there in terms of the categories that people were shopping? You had the sneakers, you had maybe the athleisure wear. Um, I know that a lot of retailers expanded to new categories as they saw maybe beauty picking up um, traction and self-care and all of that. Um, but yeah, any changes to accommodate the consumer changing consumer behavior, I guess? I don't think any changes. I mean, I think um, it's just even still into 2022 you know we're seeing more popularity for more sneaker brands and things like that so I think for us it's more around really looking at the boutiques that are out there and what they offer and making sure it's right for what our customers are demanding so for example at the minute we're having well beginning of this year we were actually getting quite a lot of search for ski wear so we're now in talks with some ski boutiques that stock ski wear to make sure for this autumn winter we've got it on site. So it's more capitalizing on demand. You know, we can track every single search that comes on site and um, where the users sort of go in and browsing. So if we see, you know, like like for one example, we've just launched maternity, you know, and that's a category that we didn't have on before. So we can be really reactive. And then in turn, that allows us to support some of the boutiques that are out there that stock probably some more of these fringe areas. But yeah, it's just around what we're seeing the customers looking for and then finding the boutiques globally that have got that product and making sure we have it on site. That makes sense. Tell me, let's circle back to again, growing in the States. Does that necessarily mean having feet on the ground here, having an office here? Um, Yeah. What does that entail? No, I think at the minute it's um, controlling things from the UK at the minute. Um, that I'd never say never, you know, I think it depends on where the business goes. But I think really the focus for us globally and in the US particularly is, is growing the brand awareness, um, you know, and still concentrating on the sort of that digital side, that really efficient marketing. But it's really around sort of driving return on channels that are cost effective and also, 
I think we want to really focus this year on the customer experience in the US. Like I was saying, it's our second biggest market and we want to deliver, you know, the best experience for our US customers. So we're talking about a dedicated US shopping site, you know, even things like better logistics options in the market. Um return you know if you, if you are going to do a return making sure we've got all the available carriers that make it really easy for us customers terminology you know that sort of resonates language wise with us customers so just making sure we're sort of really well versed and we're, we're ready to make sure that every single customer who comes to our site is going to find something that they like and, and be able to transact really easily you know we are aiming for high growth still in the us so it's all about really for me it's more about the customer experience and the brand awareness Okay, great. You mentioned the, um, I guess, it almost feels like a community. You did not use the word community. It's such a buzzword, but it does kind of feel more approachable than maybe competitors. Uh, Alex, talk to me about that a little bit in terms of um, now that you're targeting U.S. customers, like what that means in marketing um, to make them to remain approachable. I mean, I won't be doing the marketing, but I mean, where are I doing the marketing? I think, you know, what's really um, important in terms of targeting the US is to sort of get a balance of making uh, of pointing out the difference that we are you know we are very kind of European UK in terms of our merchandise that you do have this kind of um, I mean you don't have the same kind of boutique idea in the US really um, and so I think making sure that people realize that's what they're coming to is um is very important so that and making people feel like well I'm the kind of person who will go to this kind of slightly niche you know European UK site and discover things that you know that's the type of person I am because that's what we do when we shop we kind of we define ourselves in a way by the choices that we make and so I think it's you know, it would be important to make people um, feel that they are not exactly part of a community. You know, there's not going to be a kind of club card or something, but just make them feel that they can identify with with Atelier and, and being part of part of Atelier. I mean, I think it's a really interesting. It's going to be really interesting because the US is so big. You know, so when we're uh, um, targeting people here you know it's a relatively small country you know we're in the same time zones we've got the same weather and everything the u.s you've got this huge thing you're talking to somebody in mexico or california and talking to somebody in alaska um you know you you're you're trying to point up different things to them so that's going to be i think uh, a different challenge for us yeah, as I see it, wow, you guys have such a, there's such an opportunity for um, the Gen Z consumer as, again, you're ge- giving them access to these boutiques that nobody else is shopping or maybe they don't even know about, but as they're all about self-expression and even customization or whatever, finding things that are just so for them. Anyway, excited for you. <laughs> um, I know we're running out of time, but um, I guess in terms of um, e-commerce tech, in terms of maybe your website, um, again, in the last two years, as everybody's launching um, personal styling and like you mentioned, the expedited shipping, things such as that. Yeah. What's needed online to make that shopping experience your brand, whether it's luxury or um, elevated, and and also um, to compete, meet those expectations. 
Yeah, I mean, we're just about to launch a whole site redesign. So aesthetically, sort of a bit of a, bit of a shift. Nothing, nothing massive, but just sort of polishing things up. I think the biggest tech challenge for us is managing a catalogue of 220,000 products, um, which is is the beauty of Atelier. But, you know, what we need to do is make sure that that's really easily shoppable. So sizing filters and things like that are, are really easy to use. So that's the sort of big priority for us for this year and, and sort of going down that sort of personalization on site. So like Alexandra said, you know, in the US, you could be in Alaska or you could be in LA and it's two very different climates. So how do we deliver a bespoke journey for customers on different sort of sides of the country that are experiencing very different um, weathers? So that's the big focus for us, really, and, and making sure that those amazing brands are really sort of front and center and people can see what they come in for. Kelly, you're a newer hire. Are you guys actively hiring to grow the team in order to grow the business? Yeah, yeah, we have been going through a period of growth, yeah, this year so far. So um, I think we're, we're in a good place now. Um, we're, we're sort of, we've got the right people in the right places. Um, but yeah, I mean, the, the business has been growing at sort of 100% year on year. So with that, we need to make sure we sort of support that as well. For sure. And last question, what can we expect for the next, let's say, 12 months? We won't say the year. Um, maybe some fundraising, maybe some further growth in additional markets? Um, all of the above, really. I mean, I think it's um, international growth is key, you know, growing our boutiques as well. But I think it's not just getting any boutique on it. It's making sure we've got boutiques that are complementary to what we've already got on, making sure we've got... Um, areas of growth so for example different uh, different product areas that we might be looking at growing different markets that we might be looking at opening into we're talking about apps things like that so there's lots I mean I suppose we're such an entrepreneurial company um, you know nothing's off the table it's just making sure it's the right priority at the right time. For sure and Alex last question for you um, you mentioned how you really rethought the approach to fashion in terms of mixing the high and low and all of this. Um, in terms of um, defining trends today, um, where are you finding, I guess, what's informing your your trend, trend decisions, trend making, trend pointing to? Um, because I would think it used to be from the runway. Um, and now, I mean, Instagram so influential. Where, where are you, I guess, getting your scoop, getting um, informed, remaining on the pulse? <laughs> well, I mean, Instagram is influential, but I don't think it, um, it kind of reflects things that are out there rather than create things. I think actually I'm, you know, particularly interested now in, in the street again. And, you know, I look at, at young women now and how, I don't know if it's the same there, but certainly uh, around the streets in this country, they just look incredible. And, you know, they're very much more idiosyncratically dressed, much more adventurously dressed than they used to be like in the kind of noughties and the indeed the 90s where everyone was just buying a kind of pair of skinny jeans and ballerina flats. And now, I mean, this incredible kind of mix of... And I think a lot of it's to do with... Um, resale you know the 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 interest in in vintage and pre-loved and all of that and mixing that with with the new and also with beauty looks so i mean personally i'm 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 taking a lot again from 
the street, which actually kind of stopped for years in a way. It sort of became the least, less influential, but I think it's really influencing what people are wearing and, and what people are designing now. I think so too. I think that gives you some liberties to expense a bunch of trips and to go look. <laughs> anyway, well, you guys, this was so wonderful. Thanks for taking the time today and for being here. Oh, thank you, Jill. Always chat again. That's all for this episode. Our theme music is by Otis McDonald. If you liked this episode, be sure to share it with someone else you think would. Thanks for listening to the Glossy Podcast.